Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. Greetings, it's Hugh Ballou. Welcome to this episode of the Nonprofit Exchange. At this, this recording, we're five and a half years into Every week, Tuesday at 2 Eastern, we interview somebody that's got an expertise in business, nonprofit, religious world, and there are gracious people who share a wealth of information and wisdom with you. And so this little little less than an hour interview will be packed with some ideas that we hope will be useful to you. So if you want to find us, go to thenonprofitexchange.org, O-R-G. And that will take you to the Center Vision Leadership Foundation website and the page for the Nonprofit Exchange. And you'll find an archives link and you can watch videos as far back as you're interested and sort by topics, topics that are of interest to you. So today we have uh, Jeremy Jones who comes to us from North Scottsdale, Arizona. And Jeremy, welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. And tell folks a little bit about you, why you're doing this, and your passion. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much, Hugh, for the introduction. I really, really appreciate it. So um, a little bit about my background. I grew up in Southern California and went into the military at the age of 18. I was stationed on an aircraft carrier for four years. Um, I was, just to give your audience and listeners a reference of time that was uh, when I was getting ready to get out of the military was during the September 11th attack 2001 and so I was a part of Operation Enduring Freedom and so I, I was in the military during that time and shortly got out after which was uh, March of 2002 I moved here to Arizona where I've been uh, living and working for the last uh, about 17 years now it's been and over time I Basically, I uh, got my Bachelor of Arts degree. I started working for a company, working for myself. And at the point where I had transitioned to fully working for myself, I was looking to get an edge on not only just the competition, but to set myself apart because I felt like I was really good at what I did. And I authored a book and I saw how it helped open up doors for me to get speaking engagements and things like that. And so I helped one of our, one of our clients uh, be able to publish a book as well. And that's where I, and now it's been about four years, uh, almost five years, where I developed uh, really a specialty of what we do with book publishing. Uh, right now, I currently uh, have that program is all we do. That's, that's my primary business. And it's Jones Media Publishing. We're right now the top rated book publisher for uh, coaches, consultants, speakers, and experts to help them publish a book that can be used as a tool to get speaking in engagements and also get new clients. And so I'm so passionate about this uh, because a book can be a tool to help uh, an expert share their message, share a message that's really impactful, share the, the story of the you know, a, a charity, nonprofit, or organization to share the reason why they do what they do and the principles behind it to help them reach an audience and reach people that are outside of their sphere of influence in most cases. That's really great. You know, I, um, I published my first book in 2007 
It's called Moving Spirits, Building Lives, and it's church musician as a transformational leader. And that's just how I pivoted from being a conductor, musical conductor, into organizational leadership. Mm-hmm. And the conductor takes a bunch of singers and transforms those into a choir, transforms the choir into an ensemble, transforms people's lives in the course of church work and the orchestra. We develop an orchestra ensemble and it's the same kind of thing. So I teach people how to build high performing teams. So I, I did a self publish and I went to a, a church music conference. Nobody knew me and I had a bunch of books. There were 600 people there and I sold a hundred books. And all of a sudden people were quoting me and I was a celebrity because I was an authority on a topic. Mm-hmm. Now it took me 40 years to write the book, 30 days to put it on paper. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I set myself a daily regimen and outlined it and then just wrote it, you know, miscellaneous chapters, but I knew the sequence, but I wrote the ones that flowed easily. The first chapter I wrote was managing time. So then I said, well, I wrote about it and I got to do it. So what, <laughs> what kind of, so I can tell you that was a business card and mm-hmm. the, the book was, it was an open door business card and people are, are, really impressed that you have a book and then when they read a little bit about it and i've i've had several other people uh quote my books and other books on the topic and, and that was my basic premise on transformational leadership and i've gone from there to do other books and ebooks and courses but it's it's it was really me putting on paper and you know the process was very clarifying for me so what do you find is most helpful now we're talking to clergy and nonprofit leaders and their teams. And I do experience that, that they have lots of stories to tell, but they don't know how to get them out there. And mm-hmm. we think we publish a book and it's a bestseller, we're going to be filthy rich. That's not exactly the purpose, is it? No, not necessarily. So we always start with the foundation. So a lot of times uh, when someone is referred to us, they come to us for three primary reasons to publish a book. Number one is for contribution. So they have a message that's really important to them. They want to get it out to as many people as possible. The second reason is to have it be a tool to get clients for their business or to get speaking engagements, which then furthers the message about what they do. And then the third reason is for credibility and authority. So the book serves as a purpose to position you as an authority, a specialized expert at what you do. So whenever someone comes to us and says, hey, I got an idea for a book, or I've started sketching out ideas, but I feel like I'm stuck, which it's it's very, very common. We always start with the main purpose of the book. What is the purpose of the book for you? Because the, the whole the whole structure and the outline of the book can be determined to serve that purpose if we know the reason why the author is writing the book and then who they're writing it for. And you'd be surprised how many people just don't think through that process. And that's what we're very good at. That's what we work with each of our authors is to, we develop a, a basically a profile of who the book is for, uh, what we need to cover within the book. We help them to structure and outline their book properly And I'll give you just a quick little example here based on your question. We had one author that wanted to be a public speaker. Well, inside of her book, she didn't mention anything about her having the ability to speak or that she's even spoken and she had spoken. So what I recommended to her because she was pretty far along is within the book, 
rather than telling a bunch of just random stories, she told a very specific story how, how she went to go speak somewhere, what she said impacted the people in the audience, and then what happened as a result of that. A real quick story could only be, you know, it doesn't need to be very long, it could be a couple paragraphs, but because she told that story, it illustrated the point that she is a professional speaker, and it demonstrates basically that she speaks and people get a response, a positive response by her speaking. And guess what a meeting organizer wants when they invite you to speak? A good response from the audience and for the audience to do something with what they learn. They want, they want the speaker to perform to their audience and bring value to their audience. So there's certain things that we can do with the outline of the book based on the purpose. So you asked uh, your question about stories. Depending on the purpose, depending on the structure and the outline of the book, it also depends on how much of those stories or what stories even make sense to include. Yeah, before people melt down and say, oh, that's too much work, let me, let me unpack a couple of things. Um, I found it very empowering just laying it out in writing, and I had cleared a month to write my first book. And the other ones were written piecemeal through blog posts or other, other things that I put together. you got to be really careful. If you do it random, it's got continuity. So having mm -hmm. a good editor. So that's right. The, the thing that occurs to me in a lot of churches and nonprofit leaders and synagogues um, don't consider branding. And what you're mm -hmm. talking about is your branding. Who are you? Who is your audience? And how do you show up with that audience? You know, what is your brand image? Um, now, now I had a brander publish a book called Twist. And her publicist contacted me and wanted an interview on my business podcast, a different one. And um, then it, during the interview, I had had her book out. We're talking about put a twist on your brand. And I said, oh, by the way, how did you find me? She said, your brand really stood out. The, the conductor that teaches leadership, that sets you out above everybody else. And so if, if you're having trouble in your charity, uh, raising money, getting volunteers, Maybe it isn't clear. Your brand isn't clear. If people aren't coming to your church or synagogue, maybe there's not a really clear brand image of what they can expect or who, who you're marketing to. And what are they going to experience when they get there? And maybe why should they come? So any of those things, do you help people sort that out? You know, how do you, or do they need to come in with a brand ready or do you help them decide who they are and how they want to show up? in the world. Yeah, that's what, we, that's what we help each of our authors and each of our clients with. So it starts with the structure and the outline of the book first, determining what are included in all the chapters. And then we do a lot of research on book titles. So the, the book title is a very important component of the book because that's the very first thing that potential readers or potential audience members that you're, uh, wherever you're speaking at, when they hear the book title or they see that you're author of X book, that's a determining factor to represent who you are. Like if you have a book about, let's say, um, purpose, like purpose-driven life type of a book, you know that's what the author is representing and talking about in their book. But if the book was called, you know, uh, instead of purpose, it's... Um, family history secrets, you know, they're all about the family history. So the title of the book does represent the message and what the author is all about. And all of those things need to be considered with the end in mind. I mean, that's why I reference quite a bit with our members as we're 
because we coach our members through the entire process from blank word document to published book is we always do what Stephen Covey said in his, his famous book, um, the, uh, highly effective people, seven, um, habits, you know, seven habits, of highly effective people is begin with the end in mind. And we always look at beginning in the, with the end in mind for, um, for the, the purpose and the outcome for the book. Habits. You know, seven habits, of highly effective people is begin with the end in mind. And we always look at beginning at the end in mind for, um, for the, the purpose and the outcome for the book. I'm getting a little echo because I've got the Facebook page open. So I'm going to, if you're looking on Facebook, um, we're broadcasting live on Facebook for this podcast and uh, I forgot to turn off the sound. So um, I had a little audio indigestion there. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. So um, uh, this came out of nowhere. Um, So, so Scott, um, uh, Jeremy, um, it sounds awfully hard. And so I did everything myself. I went and found a printer and actually I had pitched my first book. Um, it was, it was, this is, this is 2007. So the branding, you know, could be the, the cover. I also just learned that the, the design of the cover, I ch- this is my third edition of mm-hmm. a book that Cokesbury turned me down and I published myself and they carried it in their catalog. And instead of making a dollar, it cost me a dollar and I made, you know, $13 selling the book. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. So, but they said clergy wouldn't buy it, but most of the people that had it were clergy, but I put little music notes here and, you know, mm-hmm. it's obviously by me because my name is really big on the cover, but I, I don't know that I'll redo it. I'm going to redo another type of book if I, if I feel like I want to do that, but the, um, all of that stuff, you know, why does somebody need, I, I'm looking back and thinking, well, I wish I'd had somebody like Jeremy Jones to guide me through a process. Mm-hmm. It was, it was kind of difficult. And actually I had somebody go and proof it who didn't do a good, very good job. So my first printing was full of typos and yeah. that is a credibility issue. Mm-hmm. It, it is. Yeah. So we basically what we do is we have the entire process outlined in three phases and that's how we, we are basically a guide guiding people through the entire process so it doesn't ever feel overwhelming. So what we do is we've divided our, specifically our uh, unique publishing process into three primary phases. So phase one is what we call the create or the foundation phase. That's everything related to who the book is for, what's the purpose of the book for you, getting the book structured and outlined properly in a very simple and systematic way, getting the book written in a time effective manner because we know most of our authors or members are not writing a book three hours a day. They have a a certain window of time that they can allot outside of their business or their profession. And so we were sensitive to that. We realized that it does take an amount of time, but we want it to be as efficient as possible for each of our members. So we have some programs in order to do that to help with the writing, keep the writing very efficient providing editing, editing along the way to provide feedback and insight for the author. And that's all phase one. And then it goes to our team of editors to get everything edited properly. So the author never has to deal with any of that, what you just mentioned, where we have had people come to us and say, Hey, look, I tried to do this myself. It's, it's full of typos. I need to just get it, get it done. Right. And that's what we do is we want it to be done. Our model is a traditional publishing house level of quality 
uh, but each of our authors retains full rights to their book. So everything is in phase one that I'm mentioning. Phase two is everything related to what we call packaging. So packaging it as a product, professional book cover design, the layout for the paperback book, and Amazon Kindle ebook formatting. Those are the three primary formats as far as Amazon goes. And then the third phase is the book release. So anytime when we first start our authors and they're starting to plan, hey, I, I need to get my book release going, my book launch and all this, all this stuff, what we do is just help guide them and say, hey, let's do phase one first. Get one phase, phase one handled, and then we move to phase two and then phase three. So that's what we do is help facilitate each of those steps along the way. So the author, there's never any guesswork of what to do. We help guide them along the way. That's important. And, and my clients in, in launching and growing an organization, people don't know what to do next. And we do things right. randomly and then it's not very productive. So um, it sounds like what could be a very complicated process um, you've created streamline what this is what you do next. This is what you do next. Now, yeah. is there a lot of, um, I think what holds up a lot of people is they say, well, I got to carve out time to sit and do all this writing and I'll do that next year. Mm -hmm. So it's the, I'm going to wait till this is the right time or wait till it's perfect. Or, you know, uh, I will do it when, you know, the famous excuse, I will do it when. So, mm -hmm. What do you, why should, why should people wait? Can they get started? And is there like a, a different way to put words on paper? Can they dictate them in some cases and have somebody transcribe? Are there other options? Yeah, there, are, there definitely are options. So when we're in the writing phase of things, uh, if you, if the author wants to dictate what they've written, we do have, we have a unique process around doing that. It all starts with making sure everything is organized properly. So if we have the book structure in place, if we have the outline in place, when the author is dictating something, it's not random. What creates a really high expense for editing, the whole editing process just completely multiplies itself and becomes very, very expensive. When the editor has to go and restructure, rewrite, developmental edit everything. And what we recommend is to do it in bite-sized chunks. So chapter one, let's say, as an example, is typically broken into about three to five sub parts. And if the author is going to, to basically speak their book and transcribe it, they only focus on chapter 1.1 and then chapter 1.2 and then chapter 1.3. So they're only talking about this one thing for a short period of time. Then that can be transcribed and then cleaned up because it's focused and it doesn't need this entire reworking. So that's that piece right there dramatically decreases the time. Another thing is the reason that most people take a lot of time to write their book is again, because they don't have everything structured from the beginning. So what a lot of our authors do prior to working with us is they'll get excited about an idea that they can write into a, as a book they get committed to it. They're just on fire about it. They see that they, it can impact people. They grab their laptop. They got a couple hours on hand and they just start pounding away at the keyboard. They're just typing, typing, writing the story and that story and this story and that story. And it's just a bunch of stuff that they're typing out. Right. But then they get to the point where they go, wait a minute. I, I, I don't know if I should include this in chapter one or four. 
uh, maybe actually this should be later in the book and this should be prior, and they find themselves for five hours taking this and moving it here, and then taking this and moving it here, and then wait, I need to reword this. That process right, process right there is extremely frustrating and extremely time consuming. So our unique process that we've developed is to help the author develop a proper structure for a book based on industry publishing standards to get it all structured first and then fill in the gaps. And the way that I like to illustrate this is when you think about a sculptor that is sculpting a big, heavy um, uh, sculpture, right? If it's a big, heavy sculpture, they don't just take a big, giant glob, glob of clay, plop it there, and then start doing fine detail. And that's what a lot of people do in writing their book. They start typing away a story in fine detail. What a, what a sculptor does is they first develop a wireframe of the, of the body of the sculpture, and then they built the mesh. The mesh represents the body of it, and then they put on the clay, which then forms the fine detail. And if you do the same process when writing a book, is you first look at the structure, what makes up all of the chapters, and then within those chapters, what makes up each, each of those components for a properly published book. But then you get to the writing once that's developed. I mean, you're, you're cutting your writing time probably by a fifth. You'll have a fifth of the time that it to write, is, is in my experience. Yeah, and I, there's always this fear of the unknown. But I want to shout out to David and Ashley and Cypher, Ashley and Becky and Peter, who joined us on Facebook. We, uh, we stream this live every week on Facebook. And if you're on there, please feel free to share, share with somebody. Um, so um, I've had people tell me, uh, Jeremy, that they have done a series of blog posts and actually written the book, and then they build excitement as they launch the book. And people, even mm -hmm. people who've read the podcast, I mean, the, the blog, still buy the book because it's all in one place <laughs> instead of strung out with mm -hmm. a sure. of articles. So that would seem like a mm -hmm. discipline way to, to lay it out and think through it and get some real-time response. Do you have any reading on that? Sure. We've had, we've had authors that have done that. We've had authors that have uh, done that with writing. If, if your style is that you're more comfortable with writing, that's a great way to do that is to get to the exercise of, of, of writing and, and putting out blog posts and getting some feedback. I think that's a great way to start. Uh, we have had another author as well that, that does it through audio form. So through the, the course of a podcast, we'll have a chapter that's determined that he wants to talk about, stories he wants to share through the course of the podcast, verbally is talking through the content that he wants to include in the book. And that's a great exercise as well to speak out the story. And then you re-listen to yourself telling the story, and then you can very easily type it out or have it transcribed and, and you clean it up yourself or have an editor clean that up. So sure, I think, I think uh, doing that process is a great exercise because you can get some feedback from people, kind of see response, who engages, who leaves a comment. And yeah, I think that's a really healthy way to do that. You're listening to the Nonprofit Exchange. Our sponsor for this episode is WordSprint, WordSprint, S-P-R-I-N-T dot com. They publish nonprofit performance magazine and they help us as they help you stay in touch with your tribe. And so um, if you have a tribe, those are going to be the people that will buy your book. So one of the things I notice 
um, is you talk about the title and the title makes me stop. Like I go on, I go in the bookstore and I, and I see all mm. these books, but what first catches my attention is the title, not only That's the right. words in the title, but how it's laid out. And then I pick up the book and I, I look for an index and then I look in the contents and then in the process I look, and if it's just a bunch of boring copy, then it, that's a downer for me. So I re respect books that are laid out with some highlights, some images, you know, some, so I, you know, I, I had, I had mine with some little breakout highlighted paragraphs with, you know, tips throughout. And so I look for specific things that say to me, it's going to be an interesting journey when I read this book. So there's, there, those are all, well, the titling is, is word, wordsmithing, but the rest of it, you know, the cover appearance, the, the title, the appearance of the title, and then the appearance of the book. What are the factors that encourage people to, well, and I'm talking about a physical book right now, and there's, you, you mentioned many forms, but mm -hmm. let's start with the, the physical printed book. What are some of the things that, that make the book attractive so somebody would want to pick it up and then buy it? Yeah, that's a great question. So the first thing, again, is the book title, the primary title, and also the subtitle. So I always encourage authors to create a very compelling subtitle. So the primary title should basically encompass the main thing that the book is about. The subtitle should give the reader some additional, or potential reader, some additional information to help clarify what the book is all about. So that's the first thing. The image of the book should be, uh, it, it could be very simple. Some, some of the, the best-selling books out there are simply all typography. So as long as the text, uh, which typography just means it's all just all fonts and all text. So the, the title of the book should be clear and easy to read. In most cases, no script, you know, really fancy, you know, lightly scripted font is okay, but nothing real scripted fonts are a bad idea just because of the readability factor. You want it at first glance that it can be easily read. Then the cover has, you know, pleasing, pleasing cover, pleasing design. The very next thing is you just imagine if you're in a bookstore is you flip the book over. So what the book should have is a well-written book description on the back of the book, which basically teases or creates curiosity for the potential reader to let them know what's inside the book. That's on the physical book. On the Amazon book listing, we recommend to most of our authors that would like to include it, is you wanna tease to the potential reader what's potentially in a variety of chapters within your book. So topic number one for book, for inside the book would be chapter one. You would let them know what they're going to get out of chapter one, chapter two, chapter three, in just some bullet points. And by giving those bullet points to that potential reader, that's giving them some insight of what's in, inside the book. Now, the nice thing about Amazon as well is they have the ability, if you're getting the book online, is you can do a look inside where you can look in and see the table of contents. So what we find in most cases is first line of defense, right, is the book cover. Then it's the back, which is the description on a physical book or on the Amazon book listing description. It's your description. Then once they're inside the book, it's typically the table of contents. So that right there also lets you know that you need to have well-written 
table of contents that also informs the reader as to what's in the chapter. So those should also be well written. So uh, they're almost like many titles of your books. They're titles of your chapters. I look so that's for, what I recommend. I just throw up a cover. Um, this is my fourth book, and it was um, one of the one of the um, one of the imprints for the United Methodist Publishing House that since closed. Discipleship Resources had resources, and what they did this attractive cover, and it was an anthology. So I had famous people, and on the back I had endorsements from major, uh, like two of the authors of Chicken Soup, you know, Bob Proctor, uh, you know, I had some high level endorsements on it and we actually made it to the second and, and the release, we did a whole bunch of ads, but what was a mistake is the cover doesn't have the subtitle. Right. It was Stories of Transformation by Leaders. And so I didn't realize until after I had, I had released it that I it didn't have it there. And it was, that was a liability. So to your point, it looked kind of interesting. They had an artist do it, but I, so I went with it. But I, I do find that I look for, what's this really about? And the other thing is, I'm not sure right. we have the right category. Now, in, in my Moving Spirits, Building Lives book, I made it to number two in, in, in the transformational leadership category, something around that. And I don't know how I got there, because that was, that was mostly by accident. But I, yeah. I tried intentionally to get this other one to, to bestseller. Just just I wanted to say that I did it. Not that I made a lot of money, especially if you go through a regular publisher. You don't get paid till I got a small advance. You don't get paid till they get that advance back. <laughs> so so speak That's more right. about the artistry of design and how th this is subliminal message and there's a this attraction thing that goes on that, that entices people who want to grab it. You know, once they grab it, I think you, that's half the battle, would you say? I would say so, yeah. So grabbing, grabbing their attention, uh, getting their attention first, yes. And then once you, you have their attention, then it's the book description that takes them to the next piece. So the title leads to the subtitle, leads to the description, which leads to the table of contents, which then gets them in, into the book. If they feel like the book would bring them value, then that's when they make a decision to buy the book. And nonfiction non books, the value in most cases is something they will learn to improve their life and make their life better. And in fiction books, which we, we uh, about 80% of the books we publish are nonfiction, about 20% are fiction. The value to the reader for fiction books is entertainment. Getting them outside of their own reality and outside of their mind to imagine this outside world as entertainment. That's the value that you bring to them. So a lot of fiction authors don't consider that, but they have to market it that way when, when they're looking at their, you know, writing their book description is how can you paint the picture of this, uh, the value that you'll bring to your reader is capturing their mind and their imagination. So I'm positioning a book as part of the overall marketing program for, for, uh, for a nonprofit. Now, the, the, is that okay? I mean, it's, it's really, a, it's a marketing tool. Yeah. I mean, there's lots of reasons, but in, for the purpose of where I'm going with this, I think it's part Absolutely. of the, the awareness. Um, and it doesn't differ for a business, an entrepreneur running a business. That's it's, right. You know, the principles like leadership, the principles are the same. So um, people 
now a speaker i'm a speaker too and and speaking itself is not a sustainable revenue source i mean you get paid and it's gone what we want to do is have what's called back of the room material you want to have books you want to have courses you want to have other things that you can offer people which is a secondary flow of revenue now um a lot of nonprofits do have a lot of resources both their own resources and those of others that provide value in the space where they're operating. So talk a minute about how can um, a 501c3 purpose-based charity, local charity, how can they use a book to monetize, to bring in revenue? Yeah, that's, that is a great question. Um, so, and I also want to, I'll throw this out here as well. So we'll, we'll talk about that is if anyone is watching, has any questions, we talk a lot about phase one. I'm happy to answer any, any questions in the Facebook uh, video that you're watching. So just drop a comment. I'll, I'll go queue on your Facebook page after we uh, get off this interview and happy to answer any questions as well. So I just want to throw that out there. Well, let me add to that on the, on the nonprofitexchange.org. Um, you go there, there's a place for comments, ongoing comments on that page as well. Excellent. And we'll have an edited video up later in a few hours. So then we'll have our branding on it. So they can go to Facebook or they can go to the nonprofit exchange and find your page and, and make comments there as well. And then you can answer the comments. Yeah, perfect. So I'll, I'll look at both of those and happy to answer any questions for anyone watching. So uh, to answer your question about uh, how a 5013C can be able to use it for fundraising, and the way that we've seen this work best because of our model, uh, we have a traditional publishing house level of quality. The author retains full rights and they earn 100% of the royalties, obviously minus the printing cost of the book. So in that situation where we've had two, basically two, there's two different paths here. Number one is the expert or the influencer would write the book from their perspective, teaching something, sharing a message, and the nonprofit is mentioned within the book and the sale of the books would go to raise funds for a 5013C. So you could sell, you could sell a bundle of books to a company when they buy books the profit of that books goes to the nonprofit. That's one way. Another way that we've seen several of our authors do is the, the author runs a business themselves or they're a speaker, but the nonprofit or the charity is the sponsor of the book basically. And the charity or nonprofit is mentioned on the back of the book. So a portion of the proceeds go from the sale of books that go to the nonprofit. And a lot of times what happens there is people, when, when the author is promoting the book, they can say a portion of the proceeds go to this charity or nonprofit. People like to contribute to causes or businesses that also do contribute to causes. Plus, there's a lot of joint venture opportunities that could come from that as well. The 5013C nonprofit slash charity, a lot of times they have um, uh, donator lists. So a list of all the people that have donated, they could send a message to the donor saying, hey, we've partnered with this author. The proceeds are going back to our nonprofit. We think our audience or our, our donors would love this book. If you buy this book, proceeds go. So there's all different types of things that you can do within the marketing 
to either split the proceeds or we've had some of our authors just say 100% of the proceeds go because they get go they get paid to speak or they've got like you said a back end to the book where they're not so concerned about the profits of the book which which can be very good but they get paid based on coaching clients, consulting clients, business services, things like that. And um, I've also heard of, um, you know, their, their purpose books that actually teach people um, um, about particular things, how to get out of poverty, how to mm -hmm. that your child didn't get caught up in the trafficking thing. You know, there, there's a lot of topics that, that explain to constituency like, I live in Lynchburg, Virginia. It's got a very high poverty rate. And there are a lot of initiatives around about poverty and just feeding people, clothing them, helping them get temporary housing doesn't raise them out of poverty. It's, it's the mindset. Mm -hmm. So um, the m mindset takes us to a very different place. So um, my material is helping people reframe their thinking. And I spent a lot of time reframing the thinking for nonprofit leaders. So I've seen occasions where um, a sponsor, Coca-Cola, buys the back page. And it's, it's a really helpful book for a certain segment or certain purpose. And they give it away. And, but it's mm -hmm. got the sponsor message. So they'll buy 10,000 books. And then they can, the, the company itself uses it for a marketing tool. And there's a mass distribution. Is, is that a scenario you see much? And does that really work? Uh, to a degree, I would say the most important thing is that the, the sponsor, the one representing is in complete alignment with the audience or the reader and the values of the company. So like with your example, cause we, we publish quite a few books for, you know, health and wellness professionals or health coaches. I would never recommend they have like a big, like a soda company or something like that for obvious reasons, you know, because they don't condone that drinking soda. A different brand. Well, and the, you know, the purpose of the product as well, Coca-Cola, Dr. Pepper, they're not bad companies. It's, it's just a, a, a drink, but it's not, it's not ever recommended by that particular person. So uh, if, you know, if like a health and fitness trainer wrote a book and they wanted to have a dietary supplement be a sponsor, perfect alignment, right? The, the supplement provider could email or promote or Facebook ads, whatever they choose to do to promote the book. And it also tells them in the book how to take the supplement, which the trainer recommends. So there's a lot of consistency that, that's happening there. So I always recommend to look at if there, there, in most cases there is, there's some sort of consistency that you could create and there's somebody out there or a company out there that would see that as alignment for their, for their brand, for their company. It was a principle I was trying to eliminate there. So, so having a brand message, if their brand is compatible with your brand and there's value for both brands. I'd so, say so. Yeah. So, you know, it's not magical finding somebody who wants to do that. Yes. But, and I also do uh, just on that note, recommend to not make obvious blatant advertisements on the book because when someone normally gets a book you wouldn't see something that would just be a blatant advertisement so but we i mean marketing is something that we're very focused on with the book we help with the book launch we're very focused on joint ventures and things like that so there's very easily things that you can do to 
give the reader more value and subtly promote the other company using the example of the fitness trainer. So let's say within the book, the fitness trainer talks about using this particular protein supplement. The company is mentioned several times all throughout the book. Well, the author could mention a guide that talks about you know, uh, 50 smoothie recipes to use this supplement with. And they download this guide with all these recipes. And that company, again, is mentioned. And there's a link where you can go and order this supplement. So there's certain things that you can do to not make it an advertisement, but make it a, an added value for the reader. Now, I don't think it's only fair. Um, you have several books, Book Publishing on Demand, Power Authority, and Lead Flow. Those, mm -hmm. I guess, we could find on Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can also find them on jonesmediapublishing.com. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then you have a podcast, um, or is it a blog? I do. Uh, askjeremyjones.com backslash podcast. I will put all of these in the content. We transcribe all of these interviews, so it'll be in the podcast transcription and on the webpage. We'll have a transcription in a few days, but um, I'll, I'll make sure that people ask jeremyjones.com forward slash podcast. And what kind of things do you talk about on your podcast? I'm curious. Yeah, so podcast is a lot of fun. We just published our 169th episode, so we're almost at 170 episodes. The show is called Ideas and Impact, and we interview authors, speakers, and subject matter experts about three big ideas that you feel could be really impactful for people if they applied it into their life either on a personal side or on the business side. So we've interviewed people about relationships, marriage, parenting on the relationship side, on the wealth side of things, business growth, marketing, sales, things like that. And then on the health side, we've talked about, you know, health and fitness, weight loss, you know, all different types of things. And it's similar to like, uh, I would say our audiences like TED Talks, where you go there to listen for something insightful that you can immediately put into action with your life. So it's been a lot of fun. I am sorry, I don't know about your podcast, but I do now. Yeah. Uh, is there anybody on the horizon coming up that will be exciting? Yeah. Any, any, any guests you got coming on that people ought to know about? Yeah, so um, John Nemo is on the lineup. He's a, he's a LinkedIn expert, teaches people how to optimize their LinkedIn profile. Uh, we featured uh, John David Mann, who's the co-author of The Go-Giver, and also uh, Bob Berg, who also co-authored co The Go-Giver. We've interviewed Ivan Meisner from BNI, the largest business organization in the world. That was an incredible uh, interview as well. So uh, we've had a few you know, high-level celebrity-type people. Uh, We've had <laughs> yeah. We've got Hugh up and coming. <laughs> of course, that's a Sorry. that's a given, Hugh. That's a given. Well, and um, you sent me stuff. I've been finding a little back problems, but I'm I got a shot today, so I'm a new man. I just, oh, good. Which new man I am? Um, so <laughs> I'm eager to find out about your podcast. So I'm going to go listen. JonesMediaPublishing.com. And what's it called again? For which one? Oh, the podcast. Ask Jeremy oh. Jones. Sorry, is that, is that the name of the podcast? Yeah, you can, you can get all of the recent podcasts by going to askjeremyjones.com. Well, Jeremy Jones, you are uh, a wealth of information. And um, we had a, an author 
last week, um, Scott S. Smith, who uh, has written 1,800 leadership articles for um, Investors Business Daily, of mm. all places. You know, leaders want to know about leaders. He'd make a good guest for you. It was a really powerful interview. So, so I look forward to uh, sharing some things back for your audience. And uh, this has been really helpful. I, I sort of reliving my journey of writing a book and I will, <laughs> I will say to people, I, I spent 40 years in, in church music ministry. And one time I did a pivot said, you know, I'm really a transformational leader. So I repositioned myself. So I went from having my back to the audience as a conductor to facing an audience as a speaker. Mm -hmm. That was 180 degree physical oh, yeah. transformation. And the book was a way for me to be really clear on my message. And once I started writing, I found out I knew a whole lot of stuff that I thought were, was valuable to people. And, you know, I'm in the third printing and, you know, I, I bought a bunch to keep the price down. I bought a bunch and warehoused a bunch, but there are different ways of let's, let's talk about that for we end. We're coming close to the end of this really good interview there. Sure. You can have a print book, but you can do it on demand. You can print a few, you can print a bunch. You know, mm -hmm. what are some of the options when you, when you publish a book? Yeah, sure. So um, we recommend always to start with the print on demand option and getting the process going until the author has enough established where they can hold some books on hand, which is always a, is a good idea to have some on hand. But in most cases, because we run a printing and distribution facility, we can print, print on demand pretty quickly for our authors. So we have uh, one author just recently, about a week and a half ago, did an event with 200 people. She just lets us know, hey, I got 200 people. I'm gonna need 200 books at this address. We print them, we package them up, we ship them to her event within about five business days they can be printed. Uh, let, less than that. So and and so we can fulfill and and do that on demand for higher quantities of books. Always just make sure that there's a good reason to have a higher quantity. You can get some price breaks and things like that. But yeah, we can we can do that as well. And typically, what we do is we start with the paperback, so that's established, and the author knows exactly their printing pricing, and we can and we can work with that as well. Then we get the ebook version. There's no hard cost there. Once we finalize the paperback and we do the release and everything, a few of our authors also like to have a hardback version. And we do have printing facility uh, capabilities to do a hardback version as well with a, uh, with a dust jacket, which looks really nice. The printing cost is a little bit higher, but we've worked it out where we can do it on fairly low quantities. So we can do a couple hundred books. We can get a pretty reasonable cost for that. That's really good to know. So there's, the print book paperback, there's a print book mm -hmm. hardback, there's an ebook, there's also a Kindle book, which are different. That's right. And then yep. what about audiobooks? Are those valuable? Those are valuable. Those are we we provide some training and resources of how to get that up and going. We don't provide the services to do that because uh, the option there's basically two options the way they can do it. Some of the authors want to to speak the book themselves, which we usually recommend is the best option but they have to have capability to go to a studio, record the audios and have it cut properly for Amazon ACX, which is Audible's program for, uh, for audiobooks. The second option is, is well actually there are three options. The second option is you can hire a voice actor and pay them up front 
and then you still retain your side of the rights and you get the royalties from Amazon directly. And the third option is you can hire a voice, uh, voice recording artist and split the royalties with them. And so that's all built into there. So you can basically choose the royalty option you want there. So we just provide some resources. If, if the author wants to provide an audiobook, we guide them on what's the best options and how it works. That was the, the ebook, uh, the audiobook from um, um, Barefoot Winery, was our guest yeah. a few weeks ago. And they had oh, a, wow. a whole drama team that, that did the book, and it was stunning. Yeah, it, uh, it was stunning. So they didn't spare any cost. They sold the winery. Uh, they were actually marketing experts, but yeah. they accidentally got in the winery business, which is the number one brand. But that, that I never thought you get a drama team to produce the book. Why it was a story? So that was powerful. But that that mm -hmm. they helped nonprofits raise money through the through their activity with the winery, and the mm -hmm. book was kind of out there to say, here's an idea for you, and it's been a bestseller for quite a while. I like that. That makes sense. Yeah. So a lot of people do very creative things and you know, books are not dead. And I was talking to somebody the other day about how good leaders read period people that are at the top of their game read. There's no, there's no, there's no variance to that. And they read the same books again over time and mark it with a different color marker. Cause you're going to see different things when you go back. Yep. And so I have a totally on my, bookshelf, but I have a lot of Kindle, which I, when I travel, I can choose the books or the parts of books mm -hmm. I want to read. Mm -hmm. but somebody was telling me the physical book, you actually absorb better. Any, any opinion on that? We've got to end here. We're coming up to the, the time limit, but any, any opinion on whether physical books are better than eBooks or Kindle? Yeah, books? I, I'm of the view that everybody learns differently. So some people, when they learn something new or when they just relax, they like to look at the words on a physical paper. I like to do that too, right? I like to look, I like to be able to jot notes in, in the margins or write things down as I'm going and it's total focus. So if, a book, if I have a book that I wanna just totally focus on, I typically will get a paperback. We find that's pretty much the case with most people. When there are uh, books you wanna just be able to take around with you, like I have, I have the Kindle app as well on all my devices. I like to have ebooks as well to have a bunch of books I can reference. And so ebooks are great for that to be able to just have a library of books that you can carry around with you everywhere. Audiobooks are really popular right now. We're starting to get more and more involved with that with our with our clients. That's a great medium for when people are busy. I find a lot of business owners listen to audiobooks now. When you're driving and commuting places, you can listen to an audiobook, and you, you, you can't read while you're driving until until we all have self-driving Teslas, which I don't know how many years that's out, but <laughs> for right for right now, uh, we're not reading while we're driving. So audiobooks are a great option to be able to do that. Uh, and so I think it just depends on how you consume information and how you read, but I agree with you. I don't think paperback books, even though we have all these capabilities and different mediums, I really don't think that it's going anywhere. I, I agree. So I'm going to give a sponsor message and I'll throw it back to you for, um, for a, a tip or a thought you want to leave people with and also okay. how, they, how they get in touch with you. Cause okay. you and I got acquainted to think on LinkedIn and you sent me That's a way right. that I could schedule an appointment with you. So mm -hmm. uh, we publish uh, nonprofit performance 360 magazine multiple times a year and they're great articles from leaders in there probably will end up with an article uh, from Jeremy Jones you'll be hearing from Sandy who's watching this podcast and invite you you indicated you'd like to share an article 
Yeah. We stay in touch with our tribe by mail mail. It's like reading the print book. We send print mm -hmm. to people and people keep it. So we stay in touch with our tribe because Word Sprint has two and a half million mailings in two decades of tracking. They know the right message to the right person and the right rhythm. It's top of mind marketing. So if mm -hmm. you have donors, you want to make sure they stay donors. You want to send your story out and then you want to send your book out to these people. Tell them what's going on. They, they will continue to donate if you tell them the impact of your work. So it's tell the stories to the people who are supporters. They will remain supporters and they will tell others. Wordsprint.com. Bill Gilmer and his team will help you talk about what program works for you. You can do email, but get it in their hands. You can do a combination. Postcards, letters, books. There's a lot of ways. Stay in touch with your tribe wordsprint.com we've used them for six years now and there's that's the top source for us jeremy jones what do you want to leave people with and how can they get a hold of you yeah i, re I really appreciate that um for anyone watching or listening if you have had a dream and a desire to write a book um you just feel it on your heart we have many People that tell us that hey, I have just I just felt like I wanted to write something and just want to inspire people I want to share a message with people a lot of people are think that contacting a publisher it's just too early in the process I need to get further along I need to write out my ideas I need to whatever get to some point before I explore that with anyone um, I think it the earlier the better and that's what we're actually here for is on the early process on the foundational process of making sure all the things work together to meet your objectives for a book. And I do tell some, some people, I just say, hey, I think this is a great idea for a book, but not now. With where you're at and what you're doing, wait until you have this setup or that setup or this, uh, this timing is better. So we, it's, a lot of it is timing. And so that's what we do is we do uh, you know, a free book strategy session with anyone that would like to explore the idea of a book how it could integrate with your business, nonprofit, charity, how that could work. Be happy to explore that or ask any questions. Also, I run a free Facebook group for the podcast. It's called Ideas and Impact. And if you go to askjeremyjones.com, there's a little Facebook icon at the very top. Click on that and you can join our free group. And I'm happy to answer any questions you have or explore the idea with you. Jeremy Jones, this has been a delight. I've published lots of books, but I've learned a whole lot of new stuff today, but I can't right. go back and redo it, but I might do another one. <laughs> you're, just, uh, you're the, you're the uh, authority source. Thank you for being on the nonprofit exchange. Go to non the nonprofit, T-H-E, the nonprofit exchange.org. Look at all of our interviews and transcriptions. We're here every Tuesday at two o'clock Eastern time talking with another expert. And next week we'll be right here with a, uh, different kind of expert. So everything you want to know is in this thread of five and a half years of great interviews. Thank you, Jeremy. And we're going to say goodbye for today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. Thank <laughs> you.